everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Earlier this week, I was in New York, and while in New York, I saw a vintage clothing store, and I got these boots. These boots were made in the 1970s. They were worn in the 70s, and I paid $49 for the boots. The guy in the store called them Beatles boots. I'm not sure if Ringo Starr or John Lennon wore them, but I do like the shoes. It's interesting about vintage clothing, people tell me, because what was once old school is now sort of new school. It's, it's in style, people are saying. That's very interesting, vintage clothing. You know, the first time I ever walked on a yacht, it was a gorgeous vessel. It had a crew of 10. A gentleman invited me to spend about 24 hours on this craft and just to talk to him about his life. And as I, as I sat down and looked at this gentleman, a very obviously wealthy person, we began to discuss life and his philosophies of, of different religions and things of that nature. And basically, this yacht was a mirror of his life. The yacht was floating on the turquoise seas and this man was floating on the seas of relativism. He was kind of doing the cafeteria style religion thing, taking a little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of Hinduism, a little bit of Christianity, and mixing it into this cosmic cocktail, and that was his existence. After I talked to him for several hours, and he told me about his marriage that was all messed up and how his kids hated him, and, and, and finally I just looked at him and said, you know, you are one of the most miserable people I've ever met in my life. I said, I wouldn't trade places with you for anything. And then I looked at it and I said, okay, here, here's what you're doing, here's what you're believing. How's it working for you? I mean, seriously, how is it going for you? Because to me, it doesn't seem like it's going that well. Well, today, we're gonna discover something. We're going to find out that we can learn from the old school, that, that, that we can learn from some of the vintage-esque stories in Scripture, and we can apply the old school in today's new school. We're going to discover that many of us are sort of like the people we're going to be looking at today. Many of us are floating on the seas of relativism. We, we have convictions about no convictions. In other words, we believe truth is relative. We say, and it sounds so cool and so sexy, hey, what's true for you is true for you, but what's true for me is true for me. There's no real truth source out there. What happens when you live your life that way? What happens when you say, you know what, that's gonna be my mantra? Well, if you have your Bibles, you might wanna to turn to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings and 2 Kings are two books that are nestled in the Old Testament. And, and basically, to give you the Wikipedia version of, of what I'm going to talk about today, 1 Kings begins with, with the reign of Solomon. Everything was going fantastic. 2 Kings ends with God's people being in captivity. What went wrong? Where did the wheels fall off? That's where we can go back 
and learn from the old school and apply it to the new school today. Because I'm gonna tell you, just, just you'll, you'll be able to see it and I'm gonna tell you about it. These people and these leaders were just like my wealthy friend. They were floating on the seas of relativism. There was no real truth source. There was no real anchor in their lives. Because when you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. We're gonna talk about a couple of characters. One of the characters is named King Ahab. King Ahab. And the scriptures tell us in 1 Kings chapter 16 that Ahab did more evil in the sight of God than any other king before him. Ahab made a serious blunder. He married the wrong person. Did you hear that? He married this woman named Jezebel, who was a pagan. Jezebel hailed from Phoenicia. Her father was a priest who worshiped Baal. That's B-A-A-L, Baal. Because she worshiped Baal and because that was, was her passion, when she got hooked up with Ahab, guess what happened? She slowly and methodically brought Ahab down into the depths of Baal worship. How many times have I seen that happen? You can hook up with the wrong person, you hook up with a pagan person, you're a godly person, you hook up with an ungodly person, and it's just a matter of time before they drag you down into the depths of Baal worship. That's B-A-A-L worship. What is Baal worship? Is it an old school thing? Is it just a vintage thing? Oh, no, 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 it's very popular today. But back in the day, Baal was popular. Baal infiltrated the Israelites' worship. Ahab tried to make it a, a state religion. Here, Jehovah God was the God. Jehovah God was the source of everything. And, and the Bible says about God, God is a jealous God. In other words, he knows if we try to worship anything or any person or, or, or anywhere else, we're gonna be gravely disappointed. God demands that we worship him and worship him only. Baal, though, what was idol worship on steroids. Baal was this giant bull-like golden idol that represented power. It represented lust for possessions and, and sexual promiscuity. It was a, a very, very popular religion. It also was very inclusive. It brought in other gods and goddesses. The, the female counterpart of Baal was Asherah. Asherah was like the female Baal. Baal worship was so prevalent in this land, I'm talking about in Israel, that 850 prophets of Baal ate at Jezebel's table every day. Now just think about that for a second. 850 prophets of Baal were dining at Jezebel's table. You're talking about wheels off. I've got to ask you something. Are you dating the wrong person? Are you about to ask the wrong person to marry you? Because I've seen it for a long, long time. You're a godly person, you hook up with an ungodly person, it's just a matter of time before they drag you down into Baal worship. Because it doesn't take someone with, with an MBA to realize that our nation 
is involved in Baal worship. We're bowing the knee to the idols of, of a lust for power and possessions and sexual promiscuity. People are talking about the bailout all the time. Oh, oh the bailout, the bailout. How many times have you heard about the bailout? The bailout, the bailout, the bailout. Hey, forget the bailout. We need a bailout. B-A-A-L out. Because if we'd done a B-A-A-L out a long time ago and gotten the hell out, we wouldn't have to be talking about some wheels off bailout. So today, I'm here to talk to you and to get up in your chili and tell you it's time for a bail out. Did you hear that? So turn to your neighbor and say, bail out, baby, bail out. That's right, bail out. So Ahab and Jezebel, they were in rebellion. And every time, I don't have time to get into all of this, but every time you would have God's people going the wrong way, God would send men and women, prophets to warn them, to confront them, to comfort them, to say, hey, if you keep going the way you're going, here's what's gonna happen to you. He sent Elijah to Ahab and Jezebel, and basically Elijah said, hey, because of your rebellion, there's gonna be a drought for several years. Then Elijah left. Well, guess what happened? For three years and six months, there was a drought in the land. Read about Ahab. Ahab was a brilliant military strategist. And when a, when a military guy has his, his horses keeling over, when, when, when that happens, his army begins to suffer, he begins to freak. Three and a half years of a drought. Three and a half years of the lakes drying up, of the rivers drying up. It was declared a national disaster area. And we find Ahab walking around this national disaster area. And guess who shows back up? Elijah. Elijah shows back up. He comes out of hiding to confront him again. When you're convicted about something, you're gonna have conflict in your life. And as a believer, we have to come to the point where sometimes we confront evil before us. I don't mean we curse someone out. I don't mean we yell at them. I don't mean we scream at them. I am saying though that we don't cower. We stand with courage and say, you know what? Here is the truth. This is what's so sad about this text. Because remember David? David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Nathan came to him. Nathan spoke truth into David's life. David listened and he responded. Here, Ahab had the opportunity to have that same sort of connection with Elijah. Elijah talked to him. Elijah confronted him. Did Ahab listen? Well, let's see. 1 Kings chapter 18 now, 18, verses 17 and 18. Again, the drought had been going on for three and a half years, no rain. There was some serious pain. Well, the Bible says in verse 17, when he, he being Ahab, when he saw Elijah. Now, now, now just, just think about that for a second. He saw Elijah. Just the other day, I was in a restaurant and I saw a man that I'd worked with years ago. I saw a man who had bolted on his family, on his wife. I saw a man who married a modern day Jezebel. I locked eyes with a man who had totally screwed up his life. And you know what? He couldn't look me in the eyes. 
Why? Because I reminded him of his rebellion. Why? Because I reminded him of God. Why? Because I reminded him of the fact that he did not listen to the advice and he went the opposite way. And right now, he's involved in Baal worship and Baal worship is hell worship. So this guy saw Elijah, he saw him. And don't you know when he saw him in his heart of hearts, he knew, wow, I've messed up. Wow, I should have never married Jezebel. Wow, I, I, I have done evil in the sight of the Lord. Wow, I have abandoned the commandments of God. So when he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Read here, you crazy person of Israel. Hey, Elijah, you've taken the crazy pill, not me. Now, is that pitiful? Is that hilarious? He's convicted. He's the reason, he and his wife, that, that, that Israel is totally losing it in rebellion, in drought, and he's blaming God's man. Wow, that sounds like me. It sounds like you too, if you're honest with yourself. You're convicted, you're confronted with your sin, the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder. What's our first response? Oh, to play the blame game. Oh, yeah, yay, whoa. Remember back in the garden, Adam and Eve sinned? God confronted Adam, what did Adam say? Oh, she did it. Then God talked to Eve, Eve, no, no, the serpent did it. The blame game, we're great at it, the blame game. We love to blame. We don't wanna take responsibility. We got a bunch of people who are blaming boomers and generation excusers, and what's the new generation? Generation Y, sounds like a wine. Wine, 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 we, we love it. I'm great at it, so are you. We don't wanna take responsibility. And now our world is setting up all these systems where we just play the victim, where we're always pointing to other people. Oh no, I'm not responsible for my life. No, I can't stand up for my own life. Yeah, I'm able-bodied and I can work, but I'm not gonna work. I'm just gonna sit back and take a check from the government. Unbelievable, I'm all for helping people out if they can't work, but somebody call somebody. I mean, I mean you got able-bodied people who can work, who are kicking back, collecting checks while they check out their iPhone and listen to all the other technology and Twitter and blog and everything else, and we're, and we're, and we're paying for it? How whack is that? We need a bailout. Because when we have a bailout, we get the hell out. That's what we need in this hour. Wow, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Golly, Ahab, you've lost it. Elijah replied, but you, oh man, and your father's family have. But you, he pointed back, he just, he just took it right back on it. You and your father's family. family. You and your, your father's family. You guys have messed up. I remember back when I was playing basketball, there was a cheer that this school used to do. And every, every time we would commit a foul, a foul is, you know, an, an infraction. When, when, when the referee go foul, you have to raise your hand, you know, back in the day, the, okay, I fouled. The cheerleaders would go, the foul's on you, the foul's on you, the foul's on you, 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 you. That's what he was, that's what he was doing right here. Well, check out what Elijah did. Elijah and Ahab were going back and forth and, 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 and they were talking here and there and, and Elijah was confronting him and, and Ahab didn't like it. So Elijah challenged him to a UFC heavyweight fight in the octagon on Mount Carmel. 
or you could say caramel. You can pronounce it either way. Elijah was like, okay, okay. You're, you're talking about Baal and Baalism and you worship fertility and Baal's a God of fertility, a God of the rain, a God of lightning, God of fire, God of lust, God of promiscuity, God of illicit power. Okay, okay, that's Baal. All right, I worship Jehovah. And, and Elijah goes, I wanna challenge you guys to, to a fight on Mount Carmel. We'll, we'll, we'll just fight it out between Baalism and God. God versus Baalism, let's do it. So Elijah, you have to go, man, this guy's crazy. One guy facing 850 prophets of Baal. What in the world is he smoking? Well, let's keep reading 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 19 and 21. Verse 19, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. Now, Mount Carmel was the home court of Baalism. It was the home field of Baalism. Why? Because if you, if you read history, Baalism emerged from the Phoenician culture. They thought Baal lived, resided on Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel overlooks the beautiful Mediterranean. So many Phoenician sailors believed that Baal was, was like with them when they sailed to different parts. And you know what, if I'm a Baal worshiper, and if I've experienced three and a half years of drought and all of this craziness, I'm like, whoa, Baal does not come through in the clutch. That's just me. And I can't believe these people weren't thinking that, but obviously they weren't. So Elijah goes, meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of Asherah, that's the female counterpart of Baal, who eat at Jezebel's table. Again, it shows the dominance and the popularity of Baal worship. So Ahab, it says, twittered, and, and, and everybody got it. They were following him and, 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 and throughout all Israel, and he assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people. Now, now can you imagine this guy? Elijah walking before the nation, and here's what he said. And this is, this is awesome, man. How long will you waver between two opinions? That's what he said. How long? How long will you waver between two opinions? It reminds me of what Joshua said. Joshua said, choose today who you're gonna serve. And then Joshua said, for me and my house, we are gonna serve the Lord. How long though will you, will you halt? Will you vacillate between two opinions? How long will you waver? Because when we waver, basically we do the devil a favor, don't we? We really do. You know, I want, I, I want to follow the Lord. You know, I like church and I'll show up some and, and, and kind, of, kind, of, kind of get a fix, a little, a, little, a little booster shot. But also, I love Baalism, man. I love the lust for possessions and power and sexual immorality. I want to have both. I want to have a cafeteria-style religion. I want to float on the turquoise seas of relativism. I, 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 that, that's what I want to do. Well, look at the shoes, my brother. Look at the shoes, my sister. Let's, let's, let's learn from the old school and apply it to the new school because Israel was in a state of political and spiritual decline just like we are in this day. 
Again, forget the bailout. We need a B-A-A-L out because when we have a B-A-A-L out, we get the hell out. Have you, have you, have you had a bailout? I mean, seriously, are you, are you between two opinions? Are you into relativism? What's so interesting about relativism is the relativists have a self-refuting world view because they're absolute about being relative, which is stupid. <laughs> How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. Hey, if he's God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. When I was sitting on that yacht, I looked at this guy and I said, Bob, you're a risk taker. You've done this deal, that deal. You're telling me how much money you've made and you've got this and you've got homes all around the world. You mean to tell me you're not gonna risk it all for the Lord? Because obviously it ain't working for you. And I wish I could tell you he hit the deck and repented, but it didn't happen. When I got off the yacht and flew back to Dallas, I watched the yacht sail away out of this beautiful marina, and I thought, what a pitiful man. Again, I thought, I would not trade places with him for anything. And then I said, Lord, thank you for allowing me to see someone who has everything to live for, but he doesn't know who he should be living for. It was, it, was, it, was, it was unbelievable. So I gotta ask you, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But the people, check this out, said, say with me, nothing. That was their response. The people said nothing, nothing. <laughs> and, and, and that's what Baal worship will, will lead to. Because when we get down to the clutch, when, 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 when the rubber meets the road, when we get down to that point where we really need something, Baalism ain't going to come through for us. It's just not going to come through. And, and we're going to find out it's nothing, nothing. See, when, when somebody says something bad about someone else, I can slander them or rip them apart by doing nothing. Nothing. And some of you looking at your life right now, you're like, you know what? My, my Christian life, my walk with God, if I could describe it, it's nothing. Nothing. You know, Ed, I'm in a drought spiritually. My, my, my marriage is in a drought. My career is in a drought. My, my, my emotions are in a drought. Could it be that you're wavering between two opinions? I don't know. Well, here's what happened. Picture this, picture Mount Carmel. Picture the beautiful Mediterranean in the distance. Picture an announcer saying, welcome to the UFC World Heavyweight Championship in this corner. 850 prophets of Baal, they're wearing the white robes and the gold medallions that would embarrass any hip hop artist. Let's put it together. In the other corner, God's man. He looks a little bit crazy with the camel hair coat. He hasn't bathed in four and a half weeks. Let's all put it together for 
Elijah. Let's get it on. Well, they began to go and do battle. And here was the battle. Basically, they built an altar. And Elijah goes, hey guys, you go first. They built an altar, they had the wood, and, and, and they had some, some rocks and stuff. They had a bull that sacrificed him, and the prophets of Baal were screaming out to hell. I mean, they were screaming and dancing, and basically Elijah said, whichever God answers by fire, fire, that's gonna be the one that wins, okay? Fire. The fire falls, that God wins. If, if Baal answers by fire, he wins. If, if Jehovah answers by fire, Jehovah wins. And let's do the sacrificial thing. So the prophets of Baal, man, they began to do the sacrificial thing. They were dancing and going crazy. Nothing. They're praying and going crazy. Nothing. They were going crazy. They were shouting and slashing themselves. Blood was flowing. Nothing. 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 People think that trash talking began in the NBA. It didn't, it didn't. I don't have time to get into it, but Elijah began to trash talk to the Baal boys. He began to say, hey, what's your God doing? Is he sailing? Read the original Hebrew. A lot of the translators were afraid of it. Then he said, what's your God doing? Is he on the toilet? Read it in the Hebrew. I promise you it's there. And it made the Baal boys more and more more and more uh, focused and, and, and they were singing louder and chanting louder. And finally, after a day, it's like nothing. So now let's pick up with Elijah. Let's pick up with our, with our, with our boy. Look at 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30. Think about it. blood everywhere, all the, all the gold medallions were, were thrown everywhere. People were just perspiring. The people were like, man, Baal has not answered us. Elijah, verse 30, said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he, say with me, repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Is that what we need in this hour or what? We need to repair the altar of the Lord. We need to repair the altar of the Lord between a husband and wife, because to be honest, I mean, I mean if we, we knew everything, the altar is in shambles in your marriage. We need to repair the altar in our family because our altar is not really happening as a family. Really, we're worshiping Baal in our family. We're bowing to the soccer gods. We're bowing to the cheerleader gods. We're bowing to the extracurricular activity gods. We're bowing to the pleasure gods. We're bowing to the travel gods. We're bowing to the financial gods. How are they working for you? Because if the truth were known, once again, you come to a difficult point, you know what's gonna happen? You know what those gods will say and do for you? Nothing. So we need to rebuild the altar of the Lord. And that's what Elijah did. He took some, some wood and some water and a bull and built the altar. <laughs> and that's pretty much all I have to offer God. Wood, water, and a bunch of bull. <laughs> I think you're the same. And that's all we can offer him. And Elijah, though, rebuilt this altar and, and he took the most precious commodity known to man during that time. He took water and drenched his sacrifice, his altar, three times. It was just soaked, water was dripping everywhere. Then he prayed a, a very, very, very simple 
prayer. Let me see if I can find it for you here. First Kings, oh yeah, you'll love this. Chapter 18, read down in verse, about verse 36. Let me just say it for you really quick. Again, the Baal boys, they were praying and praying and praying and praying, 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 praying for hours and hours. Elijah just prayed this simple prayer, but check it out. Oh, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known, he said, today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, oh, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, oh, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And look at verse 38. Is, is, is that awesome prayer? Now look at verse 38. Now verse 38 is a verse you usually just read over, you like skim over to the other parts, but, but verse 38, I mean, it's great. Are you ready for this? Look, then, say then with me, then. Say it again, then. All right, then the fire of the Lord fell. <laughs> Sound effects mine. And burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Then, I said, then, I'll say it again, then the fire fell. Question, when can we expect a then? When can we expect a then? I'll tell you when we can expect a then, when we rebuild the altar, when we have courage to stand, when we do what God wants us to do, when we listen to the Elijahs in our lives, when we have great wisdom and counseling, that is when we'll experience a then. That's when the fire will fall in our lives. The bailout, that's right. We're talking about the real bailout. Forget the other. Because if we would have gotten the bales out back in the day, we wouldn't even be talking about the bailout in this hour. So it's all about bailism. Who are you serving? Who are you with? Who are you following? If the Lord is God, hey, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. And that is what it means to truly take the crazy pill. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this message in this hour that we so desperately need. I thank you that old school is new school. I thank you that even though we're floating on the seas of relativism, we can say, you know what, God, I'm gonna serve you and follow you wholeheartedly. And hey, if you wanna do that, if you've been wavering between two opinions, if you've been wavering between God and, and, and Baal, Baal and God, why don't you do what the guy in the yacht was afraid to do? Why don't you say, God, I wanna, I wanna repair and rebuild my altar and follow you. I've been sacrificing stuff and doing stuff for Baal and I didn't realize it but it's time for the bailout because I wanna get the hell out. Are you ready to say that? Just say that, just say, God, I turn from my sins and turn to you. I give everything in my life to you, tax, title, and license. I give my mind, my body, my relationships, my all to you. Jesus Christ, to the best of my knowledge, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again, and I ask you to take control of my life. 
listening, and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless. God bless.